What is happening, y'all? It's a super hot Sunday afternoon here in Southern California, September 5th, 2021. Church was a real blessing this morning as we had a guest speaker, Dr. Chris Morgan, who's the Dean of Christian Studies at the California Baptist University. He spoke to us today supporting the series that we're going through uh, related to the one another's of scripture. And it was such a, a sweet message. Uh, he worked his way through the book of Ephesians, but focused on Ephesians 4.29, which reads, Let not corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. What was so helpful for me is as I was studying and reading up on this topic of progressive Christianity, that last portion of the verse that says that it may give grace to those who hear, in all, you know, Dr. Morgan kind of emphasized that, that in all that we as Christians do, we need to recognize that our mouths need to bring glory to God and edify the body of Christ. And for the seeker, the light and salt of the gospel in love to bring glory to God, but to bring grace, the grace of God to them. So what is this grace? Well, it is the gospel, the good news that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Reason for this encouragement from the message this morning was the fact that the church seems to have been lacking over the years in properly representing the gospel to many who have rejected Orthodox Christianity for a more progressive form of religious experience. What I mean is this, over and over, there are comments and statements that I have been made aware of through my study of people growing up in the church environment with a bunch of laws thrown down at them, yet a bunch of hypocrisy lived out, even within their own families. And all to which I must attest and agree to that I've, I've experienced even in my own life that there is this hypocrisy out there. And while I do attest to that and, and recognize it exists in all churches, we need to not allow that to dismiss our pursuit of God in Scripture and the pursuit of holiness, okay? All within the boundaries and, and power of the Holy Spirit. We recognize it's God who does all of this, and we respond to the work of God. But this message of turn or burn, you know, that you obey the law and the commands of God or you go to hell and burn for eternity is not the message of the gospel. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 3.20, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. So using the turn and obey or burn in hell gospel is not the gospel Christ brought. In fact, the gospel Christ brought was that we are dead spiritually and totally unable to save ourselves. And God the Son came to live the perfect life. He, he did it only to go to the cross as a substitution to take on the sin of mankind and make propitiation for our sin, which is 
God the Son paying off the debt mankind owed God the Father in order that the gift of eternal life can be given. God the Holy Spirit then moves in the hearts of man, giving them life in order to hear the gospel and then receive the gospel in faith, all of which is an enabling of God and a response to what God has done in our lives. Praise the Lord. It isn't just this lack of preaching the true gospel that has really messed with a lot of people, but it's also being able to give answers, reasons for the hope that lies within us with gentleness and respect, as Peter tells us in 1 Peter 3.15, that that has lacked as these seekers that grew up in Christian circumstances not only saw hypocrisy and this, this uh, legalistic gospel, but they also lacked any kind of real substance to the answers they were given to hard questions that they were struggling with. All that said, I know that it is God who quickens the heart of the dead to even hear the message of hope and salvation and respond in faith. It is all God. And we pray to God that he would bring a harvest and we go to the poor and the widow and the orphan and the outcast of society. Yet, as often was repeated in the comments from those that are now progressive, the church hasn't done that well. Obviously, generalizations, of course, but the world is watching. The church has to emulate what Christ did in reaching the lost and the poor and associating with the prostitute and the tax collector, uh, healing the leper as opposed to avoiding them. The, the world is watching, just as they did with Jesus, yet they accused him of being a drunkard and a glutton and fraternizing with sinners, whereas many in the world will look at us Christians and call us bigots, prejudice, and uh, you either have to conform or you're out, you know, that type of thing. That isn't the gospel message. That isn't where we have found ourselves in our salvation. We, like all mankind, were sinners in desperate need of a, a savior. We were dead spiritually and had no hope. But God, who is rich in mercy, while we were dead in our sins, made us alive in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. So as we engage today in the next part of the study on progressive Christianity, let's not simply gain knowledge and wag our heads at those poor people who are following this way. No, 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 no. Rather, I pray that we are convicted, that we repent. Since we are all sinners, there's areas we can improve in, and we need to confess that to God and maybe others. And we should surrender to God and go lovingly, bringing the good news to those around us, bringing, being prepared to give an answer, a reason for the hope that is in us with gentleness and respect. So stick around. Welcome to WCKS, where we can't keep silent about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the channel. So happy that you joined me today. I'm your host, Michael Russell. I want to make it clear 
that we the church are responsible for bringing the message of hope to, of the gospel to the world. God tells us this in Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church in chapter 5 picking up in verse 17 he says, therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, God made Christ to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. And I close there. We are the means God has decided to use to bring the good news, the message of reconciliation, even to the progressive Christian. So if you've joined me and you are a progressive Christian, please don't take that as an assault or an insult. That isn't my intention. My desire for all of us is that we would come to know the living God and be saved. The challenge that we may be dealing with, if you are progressive or a non-Christian, is that the view that I'm going to represent is the Reformed, historic Christian position of the gospel, which I have articulated already, and I will be likely bringing it about again as we go through this study. We're going to pick up where we left off from last time, focused on a article that Alyssa Childers had written um, dealing with five signs that your church may be headed towards progressive Christianity. Last time we talked about her assertion that uh, progressives do not see the Bible as the Word of God. So we talked about that in episode or part one of this series. This week, we're going to be looking at her second sign, which is, quote, feelings are emphasized over facts. As I noted in the past episode, I will be representing the Reformed Protestant view of the Bible. And I did reference an article, and I will re-reference it again this week, from Dave Jenkins. And the title of the article is called, What Every Christian Should Know About the Protestant Reformation. Links are in the description and I quote, the purpose of the Protestant Reformation. The distinguishing marks of the Protestant Reformation is in the five slogans known as the solas. Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone. Sola Christus, Christ alone. Sola Gratia, Grace alone. Sola, sola Fida, Fide, Faith alone. And Sola Deo Gloria, the glory of God alone. The issue the central issue of the Reformation was the authority of the Lord and his word. When the Reformation proclaimed scripture alone, they expressed a commitment to the authority of scripture as the reliable, 
sufficient, and trustworthy word of God. Jenkins goes on to note, quote, The church is always in need of reformation around the word of God. Even in the New Testament, Bible readers discover Jesus rebuking Peter and Paul correcting the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians. Since we are, as Martin Luther said, at the same time both saint and sinner, and the church is full of people, the church is always in need of reformation around the Word of God. And I end the quote there. It's a great article summary. Uh, I encourage you to check it out. But I can't stress enough, when we talk about reformation, it must be around the Word of God. It's not reforming the Word of God. It's reforming us around the Word of God, treating it as the sacred scripture, God's very words that he has not only infallibly and inerrantly given through inspiration to mankind, but he sovereignly maintains it. Even with minor translational errors from Greek to English or Hebrew to English or any other language, uh, the content and intent of Scripture is still God's truth. And Timothy, uh, Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is breathed out by God, is God-breathed, and profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, that the man of God, man or woman of God, will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Praise the Lord for that. So let's get into the article again. And I quote from Miss Childers' article. Quote, feelings are emphasized over fact. End quote. And she specifically states, quote, in progressive churches, personal experiences, feelings, and opinions tend to be valued above objective truth. As the Bible ceases to be viewed as God's divine word or definitive word, what a person feels to be true becomes the ultimate authority for faith and practice. Comments you may hear, like, that Bible verse doesn't resonate with me, or, I thought homosexuality was a sin until I met and befriended some gay people, or, I just can't believe Jesus would send good people to hell. And I'll end the quote there. Okay, so here is a big issue. Forget the progressive Christianity for a moment. Just what she brought up. If we do not have a single source of truth that we can all point to, then truth becomes relative. Then we find ourselves joining certain groups where their truth aligns with ours, and that echo chamber is formed. However, as sure as humanity is corrupted by sin, no one echo chamber is 100% in sync. It's just not going to happen. Ain't going to happen. Unless you understand that there is going to be certain truths that we all just have to point out and, and believe. But is what she's stating in the blog an accurate representation of those within the progressive Christian movement. On the website progressivechristianity.org, they have the eight points with the title of the list 
of points stating, quote, by calling ourselves progressive Christians, we mean that we are Christians who, and then they list the eight points. So point number two says, we are Christians who affirm that the teachings of Jesus provide but one of many ways to experience the sacredness and oneness of life, and that we can draw from diverse sources of wisdom in our spiritual journey. And point five states, we find grace in the search for understanding and belief, and believe there is more value in questioning than in absolutes. And I end the quote there. So these statements do suggest that there is a relative position to truth. Now the word I'm using here, relative, relates to the, the term or the belief system of relativism. Webster's Dictionary defines relativism as theory that knowledge is relative to the limited nature of the mind and the conditions of the knowing or of knowing. Or it is defined as a view that ethical truths depend on the individuals or groups holding them. Interesting. So according to Merriam-Webster, if you are a relativist or you believe in, a re in relativism, you hold to a view that ethical truths depend on the individuals or groups holding them. So if this group holds truth A and this other group holds truth B, that's okay. It's relative to them. Well, relativism has permeated Western culture, Western society, to where most people have a position of, well, I want to believe what I believe, and that's my belief. It's what I believe. I mean, that goes permeating down into, you know, this is my body. I can do whatever I want with it. This is my belief. To me, this does suggest that they are claiming a relative position related to truth. So what truth I believe is truth is good for me. What truth you believe is truth, that's fine and that's good with you. So to my earlier statement, this is a big issue. If there isn't a singular place of truth that we can all point to and say, well, let's look there and see what is truth, then it is going to, by its very nature, be a relative form of truth. So that makes it very difficult for us to argue or debate uh, reasonably, rationally, if that is the position that one side holds, that it's relative. Fine, you can believe that. I believe something different. So from the website uh, rcwilkinson.com, in a blog in response to Miss Childer's blog, we are going to see a response from a progressive Christian group. Now, it may be R.C. Wilkinson, which is a single person, but he just simply may be one of the leaders of this movement in this blogosphere that we're talking about here. However, he is responding to this particular blog of Miss Childers, which is the five signs that your church may be moving towards a progressive Christianity. Very specifically to her comments about, um, you know, 
progressives will say things like, that Bible verse doesn't resonate with me, and so on. So this, uh, it's, it's a little humorous to me, but this rcwilkinson.com, uh, the title of the page when you log into that website is The Rogue Funda, Fundagelical, F-U-N-D-A-G-E-L-I-C-A-L, which I'm pretty confident is a conjunction of the two words fundamental and evangelical. So we come up with a fundagelical, okay? And this website is called The Rogue Fundagelical because he was once or they were once professed evangelicals or fundamentals and they have left it. They're rogue now, okay? So this is a genuine progressive Christian thinker. And his blog response and uh, an excerpt of it and the all the links are in the description says, quote, this statement, of course, the statement I read about uh, uh, Childers saying comments you may hear that Bible verses, that Bible verse doesn't resonate with me. He's referring to that. And he says, this statement, of course, isn't true. Fundagelicals love to claim, quote, objective fact, end quote, when what they really mean is, quote, how we interpret the Bible, end quote. There has always been theological disagreement, and there always will. Fundagelicals claim their interpretations as facts, and progressives claim their interpretations as interpretations. Progressives are just honest about it. Does that mean we can't know the truth? No. It means that we can, through careful study, proper context, and good interpretive methodologies, find with reasonable certainty what truth the scriptures are trying to teach. When a progressive says, quote, that part of the Bible doesn't resonate with me, end quote, what it means is, I want to study this more. I want to engage this verse and dig deep to make sure this, quote, truth, end quote, is reasonable. Fundagelicals do not want people questioning their teaching and enforce it with the fear of excommunication and the labels of backslider, heretic, or apostate. And I'll end the quote there. Okay, so whether this was from R.C. Wilkinson or one of the other rogue fundagelicals, which on his Facebook, he says about himself, quote, former fundagelical who has gone AWOL from the culture wars, and is learning to love all of humanity, end quote. There has clearly been something that has resulted in rejecting of traditional Orthodox Christianity, which has happened to this man, and maybe this group, and maybe all progressives. Which I started in today's post to say and admit that no church is perfect, that all Christians are, are sinners, as Martin Luther commented. We're saints and sinners at the same time, so every church needs to be reforming around the Word of God. Okay? So let's look at his statements. His comment about, quote, does that mean we can't know the truth? 
No, it means that we can, through careful study, proper context, and good interpretive methodologies, find with reasonable certainty what truth the scripture is trying to teach us. So by and large, I agree with that statement. We should always be using a solid hermeneutic to interpret scripture, understanding the context, the audience, the setting, the author's intent and meaning, and then we apply that to us today with the same kind of context, yet understanding we are living in a different place, but the context is still getting to a certain point that should be um, ubiquitous across millennia. God's intent does not change. Okay, God does not change. Now, illumination, what we understand based on this revelation of Scripture, that definitely changes in all believers. As we mature, God opens our eyes to see more and more truth. But the Word is the same. Okay? Now, however, in his assessment of his response to this is a rejection of Scripture being the ultimate truth and a tenet of relativism in the response when he says, quote, when a progressive says, quote, that part of the Bible doesn't resonate with me, end quote, what it means is, I want to study this more. I want to engage this verse and dig deep to make sure this truth is reasonable, end quote. So, in my read of this and my understanding of what he's saying, it becomes a subjective truth. What I believe is reasonable, he says. I want to engage this verse and dig deep to make sure this truth is reasonable. Well, who determines its reasonableness but the one studying it? Okay. Now, you might argue, well, yeah, but that kind of has happened throughout the church age. And I would say, fair enough. Fair enough. There were you know, scholars that were looking at Scripture and they were coming to bear with what they believe the response of the Scripture was. And there were deviations, as um, uh, this gentleman makes clear, and I, I agree with him, that throughout history, there's always been theological disagreements. Well, that's true. That's totally true. But what has occurred through the councils and, and uh, gatherings where the leaders of the different uh, churches, if you would, the different buildings, the different locations would come together and wrestle with these theologies, these doctrines, these beliefs. They wrestled around the word of God and they rested in the word of God. And through painful, painstaking study, came to consensus that these are what these passages are telling us. And if you do not hold to them, especially the ones that are determined essential, then you are following a her heretical pursuit. You might be just aberrant, it's just off a little, but it could very well, like, like if you do not believe Jesus is God, as scripture teaches, that is an essential of Christianity. If you do not believe that, then you're believing in a lie. That's heresy. Okay? Folks, this conversation is not over. 
there our time is over <laughs> you know i'm trying to keep these down around the 30 minute mark and we are plumb out of time but stick with me for the next episode as we continue to understand this movement and the bible and i am going to make the attempt to bring a reformed perspective of the bible with scripture in order to bring to bear what is the truth and if i'm out of line and i'm wrong and i i need to be corrected praise the lord and I want to leave us with a particular passage out of Psalms. Psalms chapter 2. I found it very interesting and apropos, and I feel the Lord moved me to this just prior to this uh, podcast recording. And it reads, verse 1 of chapter 2 of Psalm, it says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. And I'll stop it there. It sounds to me like what this passage is suggesting is the world, the leaders of the world, plot together and, and have counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. I believe that to be Christ, his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. What I hear in that passage is, we don't want to listen to them no more. We don't want to do what they're telling us to do. Now, this is repeated over and over in Scripture, that Israel and mankind do this regularly. We reject God. We don't want to do what God wants us to do. We're laid out very clearly in Scripture, and we fight against Him. And they counsel together. They're coming together. And I just found it apropos for this particular conversation. So folks, I look forward to having you back next time. And if you have concerns or issues, questions or comments, either leave them in the comment option on the platform you're listening to or email me at wecantkeepsilent at gmail.com or visit me on Facebook at facebook.com slash wecantkeepsilent or on Instagram at instagram.com slash wecantkeepsilent or on Twitter at W underscore C underscore K underscore S. Let's have a dialogue. Let's talk this through. Whether you disagree with me, agree with me, have friends or family that are maybe uh, dabbling in progressive Christianity or seeking about Orthodox Christianity, I'd love to have a conversation. And to repeat a oft-quoted John Piper statement, may we be more satisfied as God is more glorified. Until next time, be blessed. I appreciate you joining me today for this episode. Please follow the channel and share it with others and join me for the next post. Until then, be blessed. <laughs>